Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work, and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Make community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have digital resources, video training, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If that sounds like something you want, be sure to join today. I'd love to have you. Visit CoachJoyce.com. That's Coach Joyce, J-O-Y-I-C-E, to get started because I want to see your face in the place. Greetings! You're listening to the Match Mary Mate podcast, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here, I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers, and welcome to season one bonus episode, love bugs. This week, we're coming in with a recap of the Match Mary Mate Show Season 1. We debuted the podcast on my birthday, June 2nd, and each day for the next week, we released a single episode through Episode 7, We Are Joyce and Jeremiah. And since then, we've been overwhelmed with your comments, messages, and all of your love and support. I've also taken to heart some of your feedback and questions and decided to bless you with this bonus episode with some of the deets that you said you wanted to know. Now, most of your responses were to episodes two and four and five and six. So that's what we'll cover in this bonus episode. But first, let's begin with the power of affirmation. We start every episode with an affirmation as the way to center self, listen to the body, and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, and emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I am. I am grateful, I am blessed, I am abundant. I want to reintroduce my husband, Jeremiah, ladies and gentlemen, say hi. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get into our season one recap, let me just love on you a little bit. First of all, my clientele and my audience just love you. I cannot tell you how many DMs and text messages and emails I have received about your contribution to the Match Mary Mate Show. That's great to hear. I'm happy that uh, folks are enjoying what I have to say, we have to say, and um, yeah, I hope it continues. You had the ladies swooning, baby. Y'all see what I have to deal with. I have Mr. Charisma on my hands. 
And anytime he opens his mouth, the ladies just be captivated. You said it, not me. <laughs> so I'm going to keep my husband for myself, but I'm going to share him on this podcast from time to time too. So I hope you all are okay with that. I want to share the most cited quote that you said that the ladies just love. There's a thin line between a man entertaining you and having an interest in you. And you need multiple people to assess that. It's important to have multiple people in your circle to assess it. It's the value of the collective. The amount of women who sent me this quote, and they typed it all out, text message, DM, email. So that was the impact that you that you left on the Match Mary Made podcast, episode seven. And I just wanted to give you a little love. No, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's an important concept for women to understand uh, and the people that support them in their dating journeys to understand. So I'm glad it landed. Yeah, me too. I even had one client say, I think he just shifted how I think about community and dating. So all good things. I also want to share two praise reports that I received, one from a client and one from a personal friend of mine, one of my Hebrew sisters at that. So let's get into it. The first says, Joyce, your talk with Jeremiah blessed me. I loved hearing you all dissect the subject matter and have a real discussion as peers, but also compliment each other as partners. Y'all held space for each other and it was dope to listen to. And Jeremiah just might have to be a monthly guest. Baby, you want to be a monthly? We'll let it play out. It blessed me to hear one of my clients describe our relationship or the way that we interact with each other as both peer and partner. Oh, I agree. I think that's a great way to describe it. My second praise report, um, I want to read it to you all because it just touched my heart. She writes, Shalom, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the way you have evolved. And even after 22 years with my mister, I still picked up a couple of things that I can use. One of your episodes even made a teardrop on my face. You have done well and your platform is powerful and will greatly aid in the restoration of the Black family, its core and its values. So because of the work that I do, I'm often working with new wives, right? They're in transition, going from being engaged to becoming a new bride. But a veteran wife, did y'all hear her say 22 years? So I love that. Um, a vet wife is finding value at Match Mary May. And y'all know how much it pleases me to hear that my work impacts the Black families. So thank you so much for all your well wishes and the warm reception we've received. I've envisioned this for so long and to see it unfold in front of my eyes is a new love my heart is excited to hold. You're listening to the bonus episode called... The season one recap with Mr. and Mrs. Myers. Before we begin today's conversation, allow me to guide you through the topics that Mr. Myers and I are going to address. So first, we are going to recap episode two, I Am Teachable. Mr. Myers is going to share a story about a time where he softened a boundary and then share some advice that he has for Black women when it comes to emotional regulation. Then we're going to transition into our episode four, I Am Valuable recap, 
where we're going to turn the tables a little bit. And Mr. Myers is going to ask me to share a story about self-esteem foundation as it relates to my father-daughter relationship. And then Mr. Myers is going to explain how he defines respect and value and ask me to identify the moments in our courting and relationship where I knew he respected women as a whole and then also valued Black women as a unique group. Next, my husband is going to take the hot seat as I ask him what lesson would he make sure our imagined daughter learns about men and relationships from him? And also, how does he prepare our sons to have a respect for women and to value Black women? Then we're going to transition into episode five, I Am Uninterested recap. And I'm going to ask Mr. Myers for his advice on declining advances from men or for informing them that we are no longer interested. And then we are going to transition into our episode six, I Am Clear recap, where Mr. Myers and I are going to discuss the importance of good character. And we're going to get another story time from my husband who shares why he withdrew from a woman who posed a character flaw that was too far for him. Now, throughout today's episode and conversation, you're also going to get one Joyce's Jewel to add to your dating and relationship bag, as well as two Marie-isms. And let me introduce a Marie-ism to you. So it is named after my mother, whose name is Marie. And these are just little bite-sized nuggets of wisdom and sages that she has blessed me with throughout my lifetime that have stuck with me in a meaningful way and has pretty much always rendered true in my life. And so I bless them with you as an extension of my own maternal care and upbringing to implement them in your life as a woman or as a dater or both, depending on the nature of the Mariaism. And then finally, we are gonna conclude with our favorite season one episode, and what you can expect in season two. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the recap. And we're going to start with episode two. Y'all remember Carlisa? And one of the issues that we spoke about was lowering standards and softening boundaries. So I'm going to define and explain standards and boundaries, or at least how we do it at Match Mary Mate. And then I'm going to ask the questions that y'all wanted me to dig into, and we'll hear what either I or Jeremiah has to say. So first, a standard. I would say the formal definition is a level of quality or attainment. And at Match Mary Mate, we simply say, what is required? It's the criteria that's necessary for entry or for access. So for example, one of my standards is that a man who I am actively engaged with must also be actively engaged in therapy or at least willing to attend and participate. It's required to be with me. And without it, I'm automatically not your person and you are not mine. Now, boundaries, I would say the formal definition is an indication of a limit. And at Match Mary Mate, we simply say it is what's respected. 
right? That is what is respected so that you can maintain a relationship with me. So for example, one of my boundaries is emotional dumping. Like as a partner, I can be emotionally available to support you or even carry some emotional weight, but I cannot be the person or the place where a man just dumps all his emotional baggage and trauma onto me and then leave me there. So that's a little bit about how I define standard and boundary and the differences and what I use is the definition to help. It's a foundational one, but what I use is the definition to help my, my clients. Now, the question on the table, are you ready, Jeremiah? Yes. Have you ever lowered your standards or softened your boundaries, either for a relationship or inside of one? Tell us the story and what the outcome was. Yes, I have. And it was a spiritual one. I softened a boundary related to how I wanted to carry out, how I wanted us to carry out our spiritual practice together. And spoiler alert, we're not together anymore. <laughs> That's not the singular reason, but I will say it definitely was a part of what um what made me feel like I wasn't being myself in the relationship. Uh, I was personally compromising certain things so that things could stay, you know, comfortable or absent of tension, even though it was doing things to me internally, almost a, an, a, an avoidance tactic. And so I ultimately obviously made a different choice about who I wanted to be with. Uh, but I think the most important lesson I learned from that was that when you compromise things that you know are important to you personally, um, even if it doesn't cause strife or issue within the relationship interpersonally, it can cause issues internally that will still um, eat away at the the healthiness of of the relationship. So that's a little bit, um, I guess, a little bit about a time where I did that. It's probably the only time that I really did that. Yeah, the ladies, they wanted to know, or at least my clients did. I really appreciate you sharing that story. So I think you hit on two things that just happen to also be values of the Match Mary Made brand. And one is vulnerability. So thank you for sharing that story. I think sometimes um, in the work that I do, because I censor Black women, we're listening to them bring their issues or their traumas or their stories to the center. And it can seem like that's just something that women do. And while that can be true at times, not always. And so I think you'll add tremendous value by my audience or our audience um, hearing how a man quite literally softened a boundary too. So see ladies, it's not just us and Carlita, girl, it was not just you. Um, I think the other value that you hit on was authenticity. And so I tell my clients a lot, if you are making confessions with personal things you know you need, you're just gonna start an internal war within yourself. And so I love that you spoke to, oh, it wasn't so much, that the relationship was paying the cost, but more so you as an individual person. It was affecting you in an undesired way, would you say? Yeah, that's accurate. 
Okay, so that's what the ladies wanted to know about the softening of boundaries. Still episode two, another issue that we spoke out, Carlisa and I, was emotional regulation. And so I know I received quite a bit of feedback from our male audience, which shout out to the Match Mary Mate male audience. I think the last time I looked at the analytics, y'all are representing a strong 18%. And I appreciate the representation. So a good bit of the male response that I received as it relates to the emotional regulation we discussed in episode two was this championing or this vocality of the men saying, I really liked how she emotionally regulated in that episode. I really liked how we could tell she was getting spicy and she brought herself back. So shout out to you, Carlisa. And so my audience wanted to know, this question is for you, Jeremiah, what advice or tips can you share with the Black female audience on emotional regulation when interacting with Black men? I think I know where this is coming from. Sometimes women are deemed too emotional, kind of jump into conclusions all over the place sometimes, not knowing, you know, what you want I don't know that um, in that episode, Carlisa did all of that, but I do know that it was, I said to her, hey, you about to go off on somebody and you asking them for an emotional connection and that doesn't even match. And so, you know, the men were like, yes, thank you for calling that out. I mean, we really appreciate her for seeing it and redirecting it. I'm pretty sure that brother she was speaking to <laughs> is very, very grateful for such uh, an orientation, if you will. So, any advice or tips you have for the Black female audience on emotional regulation? Actually, this tip is for Black women and men Ooh. Uh, because it's the same. Read Nonviolent Communication. Ah, the good book, book. The book is called Nonviolent Communication. And it is a fantastic approach, in my opinion, uh, a book that we read together, actually. Um, that speaks about how to process emotions, describe feelings, and most importantly, describe those feelings in a way that do not lay blame uh, at the other person's feet, which would trigger a defensive response. I think it's a valuable skill as it pertains to the question and some of the insights in that book. It's really about first being able to identify the specific um, emotion that you're feeling. For example, it could be anger or disappointment. And then discovering what about the interaction caused that disappointment or anger um, as it pertains to the expectation you had. I think. The key part of that is what expectation did I have? Regardless of whether or not it, you know, either party thinks it's a reasonable expectation, that's actually not the important part. It's discovering what was expected. What did I expect in this scenario from this person that I did not receive? And then telling this person that the disappointment was caused because you had an expectation for whatever reason that wasn't met. And it opens up an ability to have dialogue, both about 
how you feel about the expectation, whether or not it's reasonable, if the person attempted but just didn't achieve it. And it's not about blame per se. It's just getting on the same page as to why uh, you're feeling what you're feeling and what the person can do and what you can do to um, self-soothe. But the key to doing that is to taking time in the processing. Some people can do it very fast. Most people cannot. Most right. people need the time of the emotion itself to subside so that you can process all of those questions. And so if there is one massive tip I would give, it would be to pause and take time. Think about what you're feeling and even write it down if you have to. Uh, and let the person know, like, I'm feeling something. I don't know how to describe it. I get back to you if they can sense it. Sometimes it's a something that they're not even privy to, right? You might be in totally separate rooms. It happened through text. They don't even know. But if they're in a situation where they do notice something and you haven't done that work, give yourself permission to just say, I need to think it through. I need to process what I'm feeling. I'll get back to you. To be honest, Black men would probably be like, bet. <laughs> like, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> cool. Right? So, so that would be well received from Black men, at least largely speaking. For sure. Okay. You hit so many things. Uh, clients. Didn't it sound like a whole session? You to me? He talked about authenticity, effective communication, journaling, or writing down your thoughts, processing. I love taking that beat, taking that time. I say that to you all, all the time. And again, in the episode that we are recapping, Carlisa did that. She said, wait a minute, Joyce, let me take some time and talk this out with you before I go back to him. And then she even said, let me tell you what I heard when he said this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so her and I uh, were processing it so that it is a little bit more put together when she returned back to him uh, for conversation and for connection and to see if they could kind of iron that out. Another thing Jeremiah just hit on there in his response is what we call in our Match Mary Mate community, a good feeling chill. <laughs> and if you are a member of our community or a personal client of mine, you know what that means. And ladies, that is, a, that is us just taking our time to chill and get in touch with what it is that we're feeling, organize those feelings so that we can organize those thoughts so that we can have coherent and effective and helpful conversation with anyone really, but especially our, our male partners. Now, just in case you are new here, I don't want to leave you hanging. So allow me to further explain the concept of fill and chill. So in my work, I have learned that working with women and relationships they tend to mistakenly believe that because they have all the feelings, that that means they're supposed to act on them and not necessarily so. And then the other side of that is sometimes they will automatically ignore, suppress, or avoid feeling their feelings. Neither of these will support you on your relationship journeys. We have to understand how to feel our feelings without necessarily acting on all of them, or maybe even some of them. We also have to understand that we should feel our feelings. 
That means we're not ignoring them, suppressing them, acting like they're not there, because again, that's not going to help you either. So I created the feel and chill concept to help us remember, yes, we're going to feel our feelings, no suppression, no denial, no avoidance, but we're also going to own the reality of feeling doesn't necessarily mean acting. Now, if you are a part of the Match Mary Mate Facebook community or you are a client, y'all know what we do here. Um, on Sundays is the group we share our current feelings that we're processing, but not yet acting on for relatability and support. This concept has turned into a movement in my community. So I encourage you, if you are a Black woman listening and you have a moment where all the feels are coming to you, feel and chill. Okay, let's pick back up the conversation. So thank you so much, Jeremiah, for adding that. And shout out to the book drop. A lot of my clients read it and the feedback that I received from them about how much it changed um, their lives, their communication, some of their relationships uh, was so valuable. So shout out to nonviolent communication. Okay, our last topic for episode two is of accountability. This is such a buzzword in the relationship space right now. And even though I think both sides of the equation, men and women, um, get this word kind of tossed and thrown at them often, I feel like it's hitting the women a little bit more. I'm starting to even see the word female in front of accountability as a way to qualify it. So ladies, I don't know if that's just a man beating up on us or if that is actually due, <laughs> but I know it could be a thing. And so I know I, I teach to it, I coach to it. And in the episode, episode two with Carlisa, I definitely encouraged her, okay, girl, we got to be accountable here. And I think I even had a question where y'all weighed in. So the question on the table, Jeremiah, is how would you rate Carlisa's accountability effort as it played out in the I Am Teachable episode? thought it was great. She was on the call. She was on the call. Doing the work. Doing the work. Right? Like the fact that Carlisa was on the call doing the work um, is accountability. And it wasn't getting on the call to try to defend her actions. It was on the call to understand them, see if they were reasonable and pivot if necessary. So uh, I thought it was great because that's what accountability is all about. It's not necessarily getting it right. It's the act of reflection of whether or not what I'm doing is getting me the outcomes that I want, number one, and helping me show up in the world the way that I want to. And she's not only doing it personally, but she's willing to invest time in a coach or someone that she knows can coach her up to get it done. So just the simple act of being on a call and being willing to hear uh, critique and advice, I think, puts it in the A class. A class, Carlisa. You know, that's that's an amazing accomplishment coming from my husband. He don't just give out A's every day. Facts. <laughs> but shout out to you. 
Okay, so that's going to conclude our recap of episode two. And now we're going to transition into episode four. And we hit we hit some heavy topics in there. And I have what you want me to ask Jeremiah. So the first topic is about paternal self-esteem. And in this category, you all actually wanted to know more about me, my story, and my background than Jeremiah. So we're going to switch sides here. And he's going to ask me the questions and I will answer. Awesome. So you quoted a dissertation about daughters and self-esteem. Can you repeat that again? Of course I can. The author stated, as was expected, a girl's level of self-esteem seemed to be significantly enhanced by positive interactions with her father. Great quote. Can you tell us about your positive interaction with your father and how it impacted your self-esteem? Oof. Y'all came hitting with this one. Okay, so first let's define self-esteem. For me, it is your own sense of self and the confidence that you bear in your abilities. I think for women, I would qualify this a little bit more and say, and the confidence that you bear in your appearance, your physical look, beauty and imaging and body is such a huge deal when you are um, a woman. So my father used to greet me, baby girl, pretty girl, all the time. I heard it growing up. Anytime he would call me, I mean, every once in a while he would say Joyce, but mostly it was baby girl, pretty girl. And I actually just shared an Instagram post about this. I praise both my parents actually, because my mother still to this day, y'all, I am 38 years old. And when I call her, it's the same greeting. Hey, firstborn pretty girl. And so my post was saying, I know that I am pretty because my parents told me so over and over and over and over again. But I think it had a different impact um, because of the way my father doted on me in that way. You know, my mom says it as a statement, like it's matter of fact. Hey, firstborn pretty girl. But my father said it like it carried a different type of weight. He said it like, no, but you know, you're actually, you're actually pretty. <laughs> you know, he said it like, you know, I see beauty. And in some of that, the article or the dissertation that was quoted in episode four, it was talking about how a daughter and a father, that relationship is important because it is the first one where she begins to see herself for how men, boys and later men can see her. And um, yeah, my father definitely gave me that. When other boys and later men complimented me on my beauty or told me that I was pretty, I immediately thought, I know. And I knew that I, I knew that I knew that because my daddy told me, right? And so it definitely impacted my self-esteem. So again, your own sense of self and the confidence that you bear in your abilities or in your physical appearance, I had that. And my father definitely played a hand in doing so. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks audience for asking. Okay, so still on the episode four, I am valuable, came up the topic of respecting and valuing women. 
And so I already defined how I see respect and how I see value in episode four. So again, be sure to listen. And if you haven't already, but Jeremiah, the dating and relationship streets would like to know your definitions, please, sir. So can you define what difference you hear in respect and value, particularly as it relates to Black men respecting and valuing Black women? Mm. The difference between respect and value. Respect is like a an admiration or regard for someone or something as it is, such that you seek not to diminish it. Mm. Value, I actually think you have to, by the way, respect something to value it. But value starts to go into the realm of desirable. I don't simply have regard for something or someone. I desire it. I desire it for myself, for my life, or for whatever I'm seeking to achieve. And so that's how I would distinguish the two. That's an excellent distinction. Not too far off from my definition either, but I love how you attach desire to value. So I really like that definition. Thanks for offering that. Yeah, of course. So question for you, at what point in our dating relationship did you uh, realize or believe that I respected women as a whole and valued Black women as a distinct group? This is such a good question and only a question that my clients would think to ask, (laughs) especially me. So I will share two stories, one for the whole and then two for the distinct group. Black women. So the first is, I remember, this was a little early on, I remember having a conversation. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I do know that you either, just generally speaking, used a term that I found just inappropriate for men to say about women, at least in front of women, or maybe you alluded to it. And you didn't say the word out, but some version of it where it was understood, though you didn't say it. I don't remember which, but it was one of those. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to get on. I'm gonna have to get on my soapbox here. Like, you cannot talk about women like that, at least in front. And I think I even said something like, your locker room or your water cooler talk, fine. I can't do anything about that. But at least um, I would ask when you're in front of me to not refer to women. Oh, I think I remember it now. To not refer to women as insert the word that you said. And I mean, you immediately apologized, but there was like this playfulness to you of, well, you know, we say that like it's the culture. And I'm like, yeah, but still, <laughs> I know it's in rap songs and I know we say it, you know, loosely, but I just take issue with um men saying words like that and including the word itself in the presence and the company of of other women and you completely apologize you self-corrected in the moment and then going forward all other moments where there have been opportunity to use such word or such language going forward I can tell that you made the effort to you know not right now or not in front of Joyce And then at some point, you even went as far to when we were in the company of some of your male peers, um, and that's how they speak, and maybe that's how y'all speak together, Um, you would even 
correct them and go, oh, can y'all not say that word like while Joyce is here or something to that effect. Now this happened, I think when we were married, but we were all out and a, a group of peers, all couples, and a, a guy was telling a story and then he paused and he was like, oh. <laughs> and you know, he, he looked over at me and he was like, I know we can't, we can't say that word in front of you. You don't like that word. Um, and it just keeps giving, right? So I really expected for you to just self-correct in that moment, apologize and just make an effort, at least while you were in front of me, but it has gone beyond that. And for me, that was definitely um, some, some proof, some evidence that, hey, you know, this man does value women as a whole, even if it took a woman to say it out loud to you, but you do, at least to the degree that you are willing to temper your language in, in my company, in my presence. And I really appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> you said it like it's a favor. <laughs> Not a favor. Just, yeah. yeah, that's my... Let's show up. Yeah, you have shown up. I'll give you that. Okay, and then the second one, oh, value Black women. So I actually would prefer for you to tell this story because you tell it better than me. And there was this ask that you had of me and you were not backing down. You just kept getting <laughs> more strong, more visceral in your ask, as you tend to do. And it got to the point where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And um, I kind of boasted up and was like, listen, I can tell you all of the reasons why this is a no for me, <laughs> but I don't know if you're going to want to hear the answer. And you were like, try me. And so I remember we were in the car on the expressway and I just, I let you have it. I was like, no, because what you're asking me to do would cost me this and cost me that. And, you know, who's going to cover this and you haven't laid out this, all the things. And I remember kind of, I don't know what this feeling is, but I saw this, this look come over you. It changed your cadence. And I thought you were tempering yourself to be like, I know she didn't just say this to me <laughs> and having to gather yourself. Um, but that wasn't it at all. You're really just taking a moment to collect because you were so overwhelmed with what ever feeling that was you were experiencing based on how I was answering you. And you said something to the degree of, man, you know, I finally know what, what feminine power is. I've heard it from grandmothers and my own mother, aunts and other um, female kin, but I can honestly say this is uh, my first like interaction taking in like the feeling and the power behind it something to that effect. You tell the story better than me, so I'm going to pass it to you. Okay, lovebugs, allow me to share with you the Joyce's Jewel of this episode to add to your dating and relationship bag. And that is, when a man asks you for something, it usually, not always, but it usually comes with some type of sacrifice or cost to you, in which case I would argue that he should be willing to cover it or at least collaborate with you to fill that gap. 
So in the conversation that Jeremiah and I are recalling, he had a big ask on the table and I was willing to give it. I just wasn't willing to give it in the way that he was asking. He immediately went into what do we need to do? What must be true? That's one of his lines. And I absolutely love it because he is making it be known to me as a woman that I understand what you would have to give up, what you would have to pay, what this would cost you, what have you, in order to fulfill what it is that I'm asking for you to fulfill. And so I'm willing to get in this ring with you and help you figure out what needs to be done so that you don't have either any exposure at all or any more than you should, or that you're not um, having to risk things that are just too risky for you um, to have to put out there. So that is my Joyce's Jewel for you for this episode. Think about the sacrifice, the cost, the gap, whatever that is for you, and then position yourself in a way where he is able to cover it for you, or again, at least collaborate with you to close in the gap. I thought you actually did a good job. I don't don't know if it needs much adding. I think the key to it was that you, you stood firm in what you believed was necessary as your no at the time, but did it with an immense amount of grace. I don't know, it generated an immense amount of respect and disappointment (laughs) because it was a no. But uh, it was uh, more respect than anything because I was very unrelenting at the time. Usually that that nature gets me what I want. Uh, but it didn't. And like I said, you did it with an, uh, an immense amount of grace. Uh, and so for a multitude of reasons, idea of feminine power really crystallized in that moment. And I really respected you for it. Thanks, babe. Okay, love bugs. Allow me to interject right here on an episode about not lowering standards or softening boundaries. I want to make sure you capture the power you maintain as a woman when you keep your personal values and dating practices intact. Now, to do that, you have to know what they are. And you know, in the Match Mary Mate course experience, I am very adamant about you identifying these values and these practices up front before there ever is even an array of men or even just one man that you are interacting with in a way where these things come into play. And then as we go through coaching together and as you create new experiences for yourself with men who you are getting to know and then dating and then eventually establishing relationship with, my job is to keep those personal values and dating practices in your face, if you will, and say, hey, remember, this is who you are and this is what matters to you. This is what you value. Don't allow these things to weaken or fall by the wayside just because somebody's son is in your face or because you happen to like him. So I want to take the time here to say, 
I know sometimes we lower and we soften because we like a guy and I get it at the point of the conversation that we are recalling here. I was really into Jeremiah at the time. However, I am into me more. And so I have this tagline that I use. It is a personal value of mine. It is also a dating practice of mine. And that is, I love you, but I love me more. I have to be able to choose myself as well as choose you. And if for any reason that gets murky or cloudy, I begin to draw a line in the sand. And it's not to say you're over here and I'm over there. The line in the sand is to say, oh, this is too far for me. So how do we now renegotiate or recollaborate where we can do it together? Because the current way that it's being presented to me, we can't do it together like this. It is too far for me to go. Now, sometimes for the sake of a relationship, we'll do this too. We'll lower or soften because, oh man, I don't want to rock the boat. If I draw the line in the sand, what will that mean for this relationship? And because we fear that it might change or dissolve altogether, we lower, we soften, we cower. And if you do that, you are going to lose some of the power that you hold as a woman. And now when I say power here, I'm not talking about a power struggle between you and a man. I'm talking about the personal and the feminine power that you possess because you have self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth, and there is value in who you are and what you add by way of being in relationship for, with you. And if you weaken that, lower it, soften it, compromise it, sometimes purported, prostituted, if you do that, you are going to fundamentally find yourself in a different type of relationship anyway usually one that creates an internal war inside of you or some tension or elephant in the room between you and him. And it's just not worth it. So if I find myself having to lower or soften just because the guy likes me or just to keep the guy or for the sake of the relationship, that is already a sign to me that I don't want it anyway. I don't want it like that. Okay, so I want you to keep this in mind because listen to what Jeremiah is saying. I experienced this power and I respected it, right? And I just found another way to, for him, get the yes that he wanted, but for me to be comfortable giving him my yes or sharing my yes with him. And that's the collaboration and the, and the negotiation that you're looking for with the male partner. Because here's the thing, if you have to sacrifice your standards and your boundaries to be with someone, it's going to come with the cost anyway. And usually not one that you can ascertain at the moment you make the transaction. So you find out later what the payment is and that gets sticky. That's just not worth it. So there is personal power and there is feminine power. And if you don't know the difference, I'm happy to teach you the difference. In this story that we're recalling, both were coming to play. But this isn't about the distinction between those two right now. This is about the importance of the power. I want you to realize that you have it and what not to do to sacrifice 
your own personal and feminine power just to be in relationship with the man or just to acquiesce to what he's asking for you or from you. Okay, let's pick back up the conversation. I don't know if it was in that exact moment, but it definitely was how you responded to me, what the quality, the nature, the temperature of our connection and our relationship was post that conversation helped me to understand, you know, you really do value women and specifically Black women because as you were coming to terms with whatever that feeling was for you, you were respecting disappointment, you said, you listed off a number of other Black women. You know, you listed off grandmothers and aunties and your own mom. And um, that really helped me to see like, oh, what I'm saying to you, while I might be the first woman who is being a demonstration of the power, but what I'm saying to you is not lost on you. You can cite other Black women who you have witnessed and observed this Black feminine power, but just had not yet experienced until until it was you and I in that car having that conversation and me needing to give you um, an honest answer. It was the first time where the power that I observed, it was manifested with feminine energy. Mm. You know, a lot of times people describe strength and power it's like a masculine energy thing because of our physical attributes. Right. Um, and then describe feminine attributes as something opposite. Mm. But obviously that's not true. Both of them have a power to it. It just manifests itself in different forms. Right. And I think sometimes women feel, for justifiable reasons many times, that they have to exert masculine energy to show what power looks like mm. and you didn't feel that need you didn't you didn't lean into that you leaned into everything that I would describe as feminine attributes in that moment but it still was powerful and it still stood firm and that is what really kind of struck me about it you're the principles that you were trying to adhere to the grace um, the reasoning behind your no at the time, all of them were rooted in other things you coach women about certain core values and ways and of modes of operating that they should try to deploy. And the only thing I could think of was that it was still powerful. So I think that's why it was such a impactful for, moment for me personally, as I, you know, looked at you. What Jeremiah is describing here is a prototype that I created, and we call it FYF in the Match Mary Make community, and it represents feminine yet firm. And I created this prototype to offer Black women a template that they could use to self-identify and then later begin to redesign for themselves. And depending on the woman determines what needs to be redesigned, but feminine yet firm. 
Now, a lot of my work is centered around helping Black women to identify their core values, understand their standards, establish or enforce their boundaries, and honor their personal power. So because it's common for many Black women to lean into being too sweet, too acquiescent, too agreeable, or too hard, too dominant, too inflexible, they often need some support finding their unique balance. And so in this space is where I created the FYF woman and she is born. I used her as a model to help women ground, center, and decide who and how they want to be authentically. And so as Jeremiah narrates this story, he is reminding me of this prototype that ladies, we don't have to sacrifice strength or firmness or seriousness, right? No, this is a standard. This is a boundary. This is important to me. This is a value. This matters to me. You don't have to sacrifice that. There is a way to demonstrate the level of power and seriousness that comes with whatever it is that matters to you, but to also deliver and demonstrate that in a way that is feminine, that is womanly, so that you can be received as a woman. And I think that's really important because what you exude, your cadence, your carriage, your tone, all of these things plays a hand into how you are received and then the response that you uh, garner from a particular, from anyone really, but in this case, from a particular gentleman or even men as a group. And so really hear what Jeremiah is saying when he says, you know, it was firm, you stood your ground, but it was also feminine. And he took me in in that way. So then how he responded to me was also in the lane of me being feminine, in the lane of my own womanliness. And that matters to me because I want men to treat me like a woman. I want men to treat me like they see my softness. They see my grace because if they can see that, they're going to respond to that. And so shout out to the FYF woman and the match Mary mate woman, knowing the value and being feminine yet firm. Okay. Let's pick back up with the conversation. I'm remembering my uh, mother. She used to say to me all the time, a man who does not respect your no is a man who is not worthy of your yes. Love bugs, we have walked right into Marieism number one. Shout out to my mama. <laughs> So I wanted to highlight this here for you because this particular Marieism has been true every day of my life with 
all of the men I have ever had to interact with in whatever capacity. While I think this one um, has a little bit more weight in a romantic or intimate relationship, this thing works no matter how you know the man. This has been true for me professionally, academically, platonically, and my mama got this one right. A man who does not respect your no is a man who is not worthy of your yes. And so as Jeremiah and I remember <laughs> this scene from our own courtship, I, I knew, I knew that once I laid out my no, that it might cost me the relationship I knew that it could create a different rise out of him, but this is what is necessary to understand what is the caliber of this man? What character qualities does he actually possess? Because now it's getting ready to get real. And so I really appreciate Jeremiah for um, taking in that no and trying to figure out how can I make sure she's covered and comfortable? But also, is there still an opportunity for me to get my yes? And he gave the invitation and caused me to feel safe in doing so, so that we could have another conversation, again, to collaborate and renegotiate what I needed to feel safe and comfortable in sharing my yes with him. And by doing so, he became worthy of it. And so I thank you, Mama, for teaching me that. It is also causing me to remember just a relationship principle that is true. And that is, there is no true intimacy without conflict. It is going, relationships are going to come with conflict. And once that rises, and you begin to understand what triggers in both of you and the impact that that has on the pair of you, the relationship itself, and the tools that you have, the willingness that you possess, the capacity um, that you bring forth to resolve the conflict, to take care of each other, and to get back on the same page together in oneness, in unity, that's what actually creates real intimacy. And this was a defining moment and a turning point in our connection and in our relationship because it wasn't the first point of conflict that we had um, tended to and mended and soothed, but it was um, the first time I had to be so definite and vocal with the no to the point that I did have to draw that line and said, I, I can't move with you in the way you're asking me to. We got to figure something else out or not at all. So shout out to my mama for this Marieism, and let's pick back up the conversation. And relationships are, you know, they're cute. And they all down for the kiki until someone asks for something, usually the male partner. 
and the female partner doesn't want to the answer is a no for whatever reason that's when relationships usually start to get wonky and I knew that I was at an impasse because I'm like I'm going for real have to tell this man no and and why and and say it very throated because me kind of being you know coy with it or uh indirect with it clearly wasn't working because you just (laughs) kept asking um and with a little bit more bonus than the time before and so I really you mentioned it somewhere in there you said something about the no um I really liked that you recalled that to my consciousness because I was really working off that principle that my mom taught me and I think the other thing that hit me in in your share there was I really remember in that moment feeling dejected, but not feeling rejected and how much that it mattered to you. It wasn't that you were getting a no, though of course no one likes to hear no, but it was the way in in which the no was delivered to you that made the, the impact or it made the difference rather in experiencing rejection versus dejection. These last two questions are for you, still episode four, talking about respecting and valuing women, particularly Black women. And so my audience wanted to know, what lesson would you make sure that your daughter imagined, learned about men and about relationships from you, specifically as a father? Wow. There's so many, but I... I'll give one for men specifically, and then I'll give one for relationships. The best of men accumulate power, both physical strength and means. The best of men accumulate strength and power to protect and serve others, not themselves. Bars. (laughs) So... I would want her to understand that. So as she surveys the landscape of men that she would want to allow in her life, she would seek those type of men. Powerful men, men with means, men that know how to go get it. Uh, but they're they're doing it for reasons outside of themselves or for reasons that are protecting others, serving others. Relationship. Serving a man's vision in a relationship should not mean the extinguishment of yours. Ooh, chills. If she finds herself in a situation where she feels as though the support of a man's vision does not allow for hers to flourish or she just can't even see it at any point in time in the future, then it is likely not the best relationship to be in. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the man is a bad person or he's willfully attempting to suppress your vision and your desires for yourself. But if one chooses to support a man and his vision, especially it's like, let's say the leading act, it should never mean that your vision gets erased and you don't see a path where you can achieve that for yourself at some point, even if it's down the road. So yeah. Those would be the two things that I would hope that she she learns from me as her father. My husband, ladies and gentlemen, my husband. Those are really good answers, baby. I hope so. The good thing about both of those is that as a daughter, 
growing up. She can watch me and learn that even if I never explicitly said it, I would, but she could see that through how I accumulate and acquire strength and power and how I use it. And then she could see that through our relationship, Mm -hmm. the relationship part of it, right? She could see, wow, he's doing all these things. Mom is supporting him, but she's still out here being able to do the exact things that she said she wanted to do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so within our family, it would manifest for her to see in real time. It's not something that I could have to like say and then tell her to go see somewhere else. Yeah, I can show you better than I can tell you. I love that. There's room for for both of us and our dreams in this relationship. Only way to do it. <laughs> okay, so a good number of my clients are also boy moms. I'm a boy mom. I attract boy moms and they loved what you had to say. So one of their questions is, how do you think you prepare our sons about respect for women and value for Black girls and women? The the place I've leaned into that the most is actually through their relationship with you. Um, I believe that, and I can see it. I can see it so often growing up. I grew up in a single mother household. My father was very present in my life. Much respect to his memory and what he taught me. The day-to-day of interacting with my mother was something that I received periodic advice from him. But because I lived with my mother in day-to-day, it wasn't always there. And so I can see how the attributes of our sons, absent of a male presence being able to like stay on it, can go one direction or another. And, you know, perfect example, there was a big event, a school dance, pictures were taken while at the dance. There was a ton of lead up. You did a ton of work for it to make sure that he was dripped out and ready to go. And obviously there were plenty of pictures that we would not have seen because we were not at the dance. Right. (laughs) And so when we get in the car, you're very excited to see the pictures. And he's like, oh, I'll show them to you in a minute. I'm going through all the pictures. And uh, a part of me in my peripheral vision as I was driving, noticed a certain level of deflation. Like you were kind of amped and he kind of said, well, you know, I'll I'll get to it when we get home. La, da, 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 da. And so when you got out of the car, so I said, hey, let's just talk real quick. Who got all these things ready for you? Uh, Mom did. And could you tell that she was excited? He's like, "Uh, yeah. And I said, well, you know, a lot of the excitement is generated not only from her being your mother, but as a woman, experiences uh, is something that really compounds an emotion right? To be able to provide an experience, relive an experience. It has a compounding effect for the good or for the bad. And when you kind of put her off, there's a certain level of deflation. And both for understanding who she is as your mom and as a woman, you should prioritize making sure that she gets those pictures and gets to see them. It's like, okay, okay. And so Because, you know, 
we don't get to see the little teeny bopper girls that he's quote, right. thinking he's dating <laughs> and he's not bringing anybody home necessarily. There's not a ton of opportunity for me to coach those things through that lens. And so I take a lot of those opportunities to do it through you. You don't know it necessarily. And I'm, that's the first time you're hearing that story. And I don't share all of that. It's not necessary, but I use you as a mother, but also as a woman to start to feed those messages. Because I think one of the mistakes we make is that we don't separate the woman from the title in our son's life. And all they think about is mom. Mm. And they don't see her as just a woman. Right. And they might not know what that is doing over time, but it is important for you to feed instruction, not simply do what your mom tell you or do it because it's your mom. You need to do it through the lens of she's a woman and these are the biorhythms of a woman. This is how women think. You should anticipate these things, not just to honor her title um, and role in your life, but which she doesn't realize, but will, so that you understand how women think, act, and how you can show up better down the line. So I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, sometimes it's done, but in the wrong way. You know, some people can put the wrong message in. Right. But I do think no matter when you're delivering that instruction with sons, you should be doing it by using the mom and separating that mother title and also feeding some instruction about women in general. So that's what I attempt to do. And then when, you know, more complex topics come up, we'll visit those. But in this age, I think that's the perfect way. Jeremiah, I'm going to have to do something nice for you. Not that I don't, but something extra. You done blessed me twice in one episode in a very, very meaningful way. I didn't even know you had said that to him, but I'm going to give my son his credit because the very next time we like cross paths, maybe in the hallway or at the top of the stairs, he said, hey, mom, I sent you those pictures and I sent you, I specifically sent you the ones with um, me and one of the young ladies. Did you get it? Do you like it? So and I, I was like, where is that coming from? He sends me pictures. And he doesn't come back to make sure I got it or ask me what I thought about them necessarily. So I'm putting two and two together real time as you share that story with me and I process it. But yeah, that mattered to me. Thanks, Jeremiah. Of course. Okay. Well, what a good way to slide out of episode four and end it. And now let's go into episode five where... I had the pleasure to chat with Danny and the task at hand was telling the guy she is no longer interested. And she was uninterested because the guy seemed to lack definition and direction, which are two of the three Ds that I teach my clients about. And it's my belief that when men ask for things, they should be able to define what they mean and offer some direction for what that looks like. And so the question for you, well, first, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. So the question that my audience had for you is, can you talk to us about the level of standard we should have with a man's ability to define 
and provide direction about his own life and what he's asking for us as women. If a man cannot deliver on the things he says he wants for himself, or at least put a plan together and show proof points, not to you as like a book report or something, but observable proof points that he's making gains toward that goal, then I think there's very little reason to believe that he's going to be able to do it for a host of people, family, you know, wife, children, etc. And so I think the standard, the level of standard uh, should be, do you understand it as the woman when he tells you what the direction of his life is or what he wants it to be? Can you comprehend it? Quite simply, can you comprehend it? Does it make sense to you? Use your, you know, woman power intuition. <laughs> Does it make sense? Does it track with what's reasonable for where he's coming from? And does he have a set of steps that seem to be reasonable to get him there? And then this is where patience comes in. Watch and observe. Right. Right. Watch and observe. Uh, anything that meaningful doesn't happen quickly. And so you'll have to watch and observe, check in to see how it's going. Did he just pivot to the next thing or did he just give up or has he made excuses um, or is he making incremental steps or did he fail and find a way to pivot um, in a smart way? It's all observation. And I think the standard is is it's clear and then can I see it manifesting? That's the first thing. And what he's asking of you as a woman, I think this goes back to what I said a couple of minutes ago, which is, does that ask still allow for room for your visions? Like, is that ask something that allows for your vision? It's a total extinguishment. Is it just deferred? But is that deferral strategic? where it's like, hey, if I can pop this off, it'll make whatever you, that vision that you have far easier to make happen. And is he bringing that up proactively? Has he mm -hmm. already thought about the fact that Come on. what he's asking of you is going to defer your dream? Is he trying to actively tell you how he will show reciprocity for that deferral? Or is he just thinking about his goal, right? Again, the best of men accumulate and acquire to serve and protect others. So if that's his nature, he will already have accounted for the fact that what he's asking of you um, is a sacrifice. And he will try to figure out how to make that whole along the way and tell you that vision. So I think that's the standard that you should have. You should be, is it clear? Can I see proof points along the way of him executing for himself? And what is his ask of me in this in this vision? And does it still keep intact my dreams and the goals that I have for myself? Or is it just all consuming and all about his? And then the last thing, I wish I knew the woman that said it. She said, how can you ask me to submit to you if you haven't submitted to anything yourself? And mm -hmm. interestingly, away, interestingly enough, if a man talks to you about his goal and how you can help it and makes no reference of yours, 
he has submitted to something. It's just probably not something that orders his steps for your benefit. Oh, Lord. And you should recognize that, right? It's probably wealth or shine mm. or notoriety. But again, those things might not be to your benefit. So you need to understand what a man is submitting to. Money, power, a God, which God, what is he submitting to? Because whatever he submits to, in effect, the relationship is submitting to as well. I didn't know he was going to go go there and say all of that. But <laughs> it just reminds me that I made a good choice in choosing you. Because as I'm listening to you talk, so many sages and wisdom nuggets that my mother shared with me is coming to the top of my mind. She used to say to me, the man wants you or whatever it is he wants to do with you. It'll be clear. And if he doesn't, you'll be confused. And so I love that you started with, is it clear? Do you understand it? Because quite literally, a person who is or a man who is desiring you or desiring something with you, their energy is to make it plain to you, to make it clear for you. And then should you have any, okay, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm willing, but I can't take this big of a risk or this big of a step or in doing this, it leaves me uncovered in this way. So, you know, what do you have to say about that? Which leads me back to our conversation <laughs> earlier, because when I laid those things out for you, you were like, okay, what if I did this and covered this? What if I did this and took this off your plate? Like you immediately got into, I still want my yes as a man. I think that's just the competitive nature of men. And I respect that. But I'm, I got to make sure that you're comfortable in the way that you offer the yes, provided you want to offer it. And I said that. I said, I'm willing, just not the way you're asking me. Okay, love bugs, allow me to shout my mama out one more time. Listen, if you have your mama and she drops good things into your spirit, please cherish it. I'm going to share um, this Marieism number two, because again, this is one that has always been true in my life. In just interacting with men, again, a little bit more weight when it is romantic or intimate, but it is not limited to that. In all of my dealings and doings with men, when they wanted me or at least was willing to collaborate with me, they were, yes. I am here for it. Yes, I'm into this. Yes, I want to make this work or I want this thing with you. It has always been clear. It has been clear what they wanted. It was clear what they did not want. It was clear if that was me, if that wasn't me, all the things. And when they did not, it was cloudy. I was confused. And so I have always used the fact that I was unclear or confused as a sign that, 
oh child, this ain't that. <laughs> I have just always used that as a determining measure for myself. And it has always yielded so. I have also always used the fact that I was clear. It made sense to me. I understood it as a sign that this man was serious, that he was into it, that he was about me in whatever whatever it was. Um, and so even my friends, I have some really, really good male friends and whatever the issue or the topic would be, when they were clear, when they drove the point home, when they told me what it was and what it wasn't, I knew I could take them seriously. I knew it was for real. And it played out just in the way that they said that it would, that they said that it wouldn't. And sometimes it's not always what they have said vocally, but just their actions. But in either capacity, when it was real, when they were serious, I was clear. When they weren't, when it really didn't matter, it really didn't mean anything, there was a point of confusion or unclarity. So I leave you with the blessings of Marieism number two, and let's pick back up the conversation. So in the name of being uninterested, my audience also wanted to know, do you have any advice or tips for how to decline our interest with Black men? I think where they're getting at is they don't want to come off as rude or nasty and sensitive. And maybe they even are concerned with, man, I don't want a man to feel rejected. Um, is there a way like just as a Black man, you know the nature of Black men, generally speaking. Is there something we should take into consideration, something we should aim to do as Black women when we're like, okay, our interest has declined or it's no longer there and the best way to deliver that to Black men? Well, uh, let me preface this by saying this is advice for men who you believe uh, were respectful in their overture. Uh, don't give time to those that don't even meet that standard. You shouldn't even worry about their feelings because they didn't worry about yours. Hmm. But assuming that uh, there was some ref ref respectful overture that you're just not interested in, I think always starting with something that you did appreciate hmm. is a good way to you know, start. Maybe it was a conversation. Maybe it was an offer of a drink. Maybe it was a joke that was told. It shows that you valued something. You valued the interaction in some way, apart from whatever game he, you know, tried to spit at the end <laughs> to get your number or whatever. Honesty without apology. Yeah. Be honest, but don't apologize for it. In a certain weird kind of psychological jujitsu, um, apologizing for something almost makes it feel like he should feel embarrassed or bad. It's almost like uh, when a when a kid falls, it if you don't make a big deal, they won't. Right. But as soon as you freak out, they start crying. Right. It's like that so, same psychological principle. Don't like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm really appreciated. I really appreciate the drink uh, and the conversation. I'm just not interested. And then you're like, sorry, I'm sorry. 
you know how people do. <laughs> and women are guilty for over apologizing. Like, oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, and then you walk away like, and it's, it's all awkward. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Honesty without apology. I love that. <laughs> That's what makes it weird. That is what makes it awkward. The, the audience can't see your face right now, but it was everything. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thanks for sharing that. Honesty without apology. But, you know, add the thing that you appreciated at the beginning. Yeah, I love that. I tell my clients all the time, you know, whether you're asking for something, you're redirecting, you're declining, you're inquiring to see if it could be better than what it was the first time you got it or the first time you asked. Always affirm. I think affirmation is a beautiful attribute for humans, period. Um, but it does something a little different to men that I just, I watch them light up. I watch them um, just have a different cadence. And when I do that, even with strangers, sometimes I, I get a vocal response that is overwhelming. You know, it's like they're, they go so long without someone saying, that, you know, I appreciate you or thank you or just any expression of value. Sometimes just looking a man in the eye and saying thank you on purpose when I'm out, strangers, um, they are so grateful. So I, I do think that affirmation, appreciation is a good quality to employ when you're talking to men, and especially if you know you're getting ready to say, eh, but I'm no longer interested. Never forget that it is in your best interest to be seen as desirable. Yay. Please tell my audience that one more time. <laughs> Never forget it is in your best interest to be seen as desirable by men. Mm -hmm. So whenever a man expresses that, there should be a certain level of gratitude. Again, assuming he's being respectful. Right. There's a certain level of gratitude that should come with that. Not that you're like, you know, groveling at his feet, sure. but just that as a like general reflection point, like, wow, great. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Right. Much appreciated, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think if, if we walk in gratitude in that way, it sets the context for the grace that you would want to show if you're really not interested, mm -hmm. you know, you're not interested. It's just like, you know what? I'm just, I have gratitude that men out here see me as desirable and willing to step up to the plate this isn't my guy right but the very fact that he's kind of shown me that deserves us a bit of thankfulness and so i'm going to thank him for what i found to be pleasurable about this experience and then i'm gonna be honest and i'm not gonna apologize and make it awkward mm -hmm. gratitude and grace ladies that was beautiful thank you jeremiah so what a nice transition out of episode five and into episode six, where I had a conversation with Kira that was about a lot of things, but mainly good character. And so I mentioned how a lot of women potentially lose a number of good men here because they're so quick to jump to conclusions or project their pre preconceived beliefs. And so my question to you and then I'm going to slide into the question that my audience had. How important is good character while we're dating? Important all the time. All the time? Like what? Give us some, in the first episode, you discussed ambition. And you explained it very well. I cannot tell you. 
like I mentioned about the number of women who quoted the same line since that episode aired. But what other character traits other than ambition that you can share with um, the men that you deem necessary and upright within the context of dating and relationships? So ambition and? So he's ambitious, but for a, a role, a reason beyond himself. Yeah. Selfless? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you have to be the most pious person in the world. Sure. I definitely am not. Sure. <laughs> but I do think there's a certain selflessness. You should be able to hear themes of thinking about others, wanting to serve others, do for others, protect others. So I think that's a great trait that you can assess while dating. But I do think getting a sense of where his positive relationships lie is a really good thing to do. Uh, I think someone, a man with good character, can point to healthy relationships uh, in a broad spectrum. Like he has healthy relationships with men, with women, with family, with his mother, if she's still living. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good sign as well. Uh, but to be honest, I like to keep it simple, especially when I talk to my homies, like, no more than three things. Right. <laughs> try, to, try, to, try to cover it all with three things. But to be honest, while dating, I think that sense of selflessness and ambition are like huge. And if you really reflect, those are probably two things that you can't even get past a lot of the times. Yeah. If you probably talk to your clients, I would not be surprised if you were like, you know what? Those two alone, it's hard for them to like check off the box. Sure. I mean, in season one, both Danny and Kira, they had different issues, but that was the root. Oh, he doesn't know what this means. He can't define it. He's telling me he wants this. He doesn't know. He, I'm asking, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I'm confused by his answer. That was, I believe, Danny. And then Kira, he tells me he has these goals or he has these, these dreams. But when I ask, well, what's the plan to, to get there? What what are you actively working on? What goals are you actively working on right now so that those dreams you have can come to fruition in your life? It was getting a little murky. So yeah, yeah, to your point. I mean, I'm literally asking you these questions born out of episode five and six and we walked right into it. <laughs> Absolutely. So ambition, selflessness, and then this idea of good relationships, maybe like socialization, community, but those would be like at least the leading three. Uh, you know what? I would augment that a little bit. If you're okay. if you're if you are seeking to assess a man and in the dating context, I would say that third one is probably the relationships he has with other women specifically. Oh, that's the whole other episode because the way these women don't be wanting to hear these men having relationships with other women is appalling. So we'll we'll park that and maybe that yeah, could be another. That's actually episode. something that's some that's something worth assessing. Mm-hmm. Uh and quite frankly, <laughs> I'll drop this one and we can talk about it later. Oh man, I kind of feel bad because I'm about to low-key air out some of my homies out here. Sorry, fellas. But I gotta show up for the missus real quick. <laughs> if you dating somebody and you haven't met any of his female friends. Oh, Lord. 
that might be that might be a <laughs> oh lord <laughs> like so a lot of a lot of women get comfortable in that space mm-hmm, they do they actually think that's a good thing mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a good thing okay we're gonna have to talk about that on another episode you actually you actually might be wanting you you might want to rethink that yeah we're gonna have to hit that on another episode because i am telling you the number of women who as soon as this man expresses any relationship he has with another woman who is not related to him, they go bananas. So we got to bridge a gap there. We, we got to bridge, bridge a gap there. But in another episode, so y'all let us know if that's something you're interested in us talking out and maybe we'll arrange time to do so. Okay, so we want one more quick story time from you. Because I say things, and I, I did mention this in one, one of these episodes throughout the podcast. I think I actually mentioned it a few times in season one. But this idea that if you are jumping to conclusions, if you're being judgy, inflexible, um, projecting, all of these things, if you are doing that, you are putting yourself in a position to lose potentially some good men who y'all could have vibed together and rocked together, but he is choosing to walk away from you because you being a little extra. You don't know how to calm down. You don't know how to regulate those emotions or you are projecting. I have a, I have a client who is so infamous for this. Like you're trying to control what it looks like so much that you're projecting what you think the guy should be and, and say and do and all those things. And then you just end up losing um, men who are like, listen, I can't do this with you. So we want a quick story time from you. Can you share about a time, if it's ever happened in your dating history, where you and a woman were vibing, y'all were getting to know each other, and she lost you because of something in the world of what I'm talking about? She was too inflexible, too judgy. I don't like to use the word crazy to describe women, but I know you know the vibe. Um, or just projecting, jumping to conclusions somewhere in there. Has it ever happened to you in your dating history? And just kind of give us, you know, high level what you noticed and why you were like, yeah, no, I, I got to walk away from this, even though this is a good woman or I'm having a good time. There have been times where I've, chosen to you know discontinue something at least in the way it was trending because uh and this falls I think more in the judgy aspect very rarely did they assume positive intent mm. when there was a lack of clarity I'm not even gonna say a misunderstanding but maybe a misunderstanding but usually a lack of clarity on what was said oftentimes leaned or assumed negative as opposed to neutral right. or positive intent. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with neutral. To be honest, I think my natural disposition is with something's lacking clarity to be neutral. Yeah. I know the best of us probably do positive intent, but that's just not my nature. Right. It's usually more neutral. But like, Constantly assuming the negative in a gray space right. uh, is not something that I like to be around. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's like why why are you why is the negative that the negative always the thing that comes to your mind i'm specifically in interpersonal relationships lawyers and cpas and they're great (laughs) at that when it comes to risk right downside we need that in business yes yes do your job (laughs) but in interpersonal relationships um i don't think it's a healthy way of operating to assume negative intent i could be wrong but for me i interpret it as you naturally see the bad in people mm-hmm. or assume that people are bad mm-hmm. what, what they mean you, to deal against you right, yes right and i don't want to it puts a per, it puts a person in a position to have to explain themselves as if they're being interrogated right explaining yourself for the sake of clarity, everyone has to do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to feel like I'm being interrogated right. all the time. And that's what comes with operating with people who assume negative intent. I, I really like that. Okay, so ladies, I hope that answers your question because in my opinion, Jeremiah is a catch. And I don't know those women who he is talking about when he answers that question, but those those way of beings, I guess in some way, a lack of some character traits that we were speaking about quite literally cost them that relationship with him in whatever way it could have been. And so I just want you to be mindful of that. I know you asked the question out of curiosity and just to hear story time from Jeremiah and I can appreciate that, but let's make sure we're still learning and growing here. I want you to be mindful of that because you know, how you decide to respond to people, how you position yourself, how you reply, the good character that you possess or not really makes a difference in people making decisions about whether to have you in their life or not, or where to place you in their life. And I just don't want y'all missing out on good men because you're being judgmental, being inflexible, being pessimistic, I think is the way to describe what Jeremiah was saying. So I hope that story time was helpful. As a conclusion, Jeremiah, would you like to share with us your favorite episode of season one, excluding ours? Favorite episode. I think my favorite episode was episode six. I think that was Kira. Mm -hmm. It's because it... it it speaks to a lot of the things that I think I've naturally talked about thus far Mm. when it comes to assessing a vision, a plan, how things get executed. But most importantly, um, it required Kira to think expansively about how that could look and then go do the work to see, is it being done, but in a way that I would have not considered I just thought it was a very nuanced conversation and cool to listen to you all start at a surface level and then unpack unpack the thinking in a way that arrived to a next step to go get more information. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was cool. And uh, I just thought the cadence of that conversation was enjoyable to listen to like that real time like oh well maybe there's more than one bucket to look in before I make a decision here so I was cool to listen to 
Yeah, I love that about Kira. She's very good about, okay, I knew to do this. And now I'm bringing you back what I have learned. Help me assess this so I can get back in there. Very much her nature. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks for bringing me on again. You're welcome. I promise I will not get used to it. <laughs> I have no expectations of being asked again, uh, but we'll we'll leave that up to your listeners. Uh, but question for you, uh, what can your audience, the audience, look forward to in season two? Oh, good question. So season two will drop later this summer. And you can look forward to more curated conversations, a few special guests that I'll be interviewing, and an introduction for me on the beauty of knowing who you are as a woman and why it's important when you're establishing relationships. Awesome. We end every episode with thought or heart-provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper, and the Most High tends to those two. Dear listener, do you reflect upon your life, your development, and your relationships? Why or why not? Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself. Free yourself. And most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you. Okay, lovebugs, I leave you with one of my favorite African proverbs again. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so a special shout out to my number one, Jeremiah, for joining me today and going far with me together. I extend gratitude to you for joining me today and tuning in to the bonus episode of season one, the Match Mary Mate Show podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate, and review our podcast. Your feedback would just melt my Southern girl heart. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, and I will be with you in season two. Cheers. Hey, ladies, I wanted to share a suite of masterclasses I have available. If you're doing some healing and self-work this summer, need help with regulating and processing your emotions, my Moods and Feels class on June 11th has your name on it. Need some support with boosting your self-esteem? Then nurturing my self-esteem is all for you on June 25th. Then in July, we're going to cover female archetypes on July 19th if you're working on your femininity. And last but not least, let's start designing your dating plans together on July 16th. You can find all my offerings at matchmerrymate.com. See you in class.